you've come to the right place if you're looking to create, launch, and scale a high-value online training program. I'm your guide, Chris Badgett. I'm the co-founder of Lifter LMS, the most powerful learning management system for WordPress. Stay to the end. I've got something special for you. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to another episode of LMS Cast. I'm joined by a special guest. Her name is Bree Seeley. She helps entrepreneurs start and grow. She's a coach. She's been around the entrepreneurial block a few times. Uh, if you look at her website, breeseely.com, one of the things that really blew me away was like the amount of testimonials and positive things people were saying about you uh, in text and the videos and people getting all emotional. Uh, about how much you believed in them and helped people grow. So I'm really excited to share some of that magic today. Welcome to the show, Brie. Thank you for having me. Yes, I'm uh, really passionate. I mean, we'll we'll dive into it, but entrepreneurship is like the the soapbox that I stand on. I am very passionate about entrepreneurship and specifically helping people just be more successful through it. I I firmly believe entrepreneurship is the path to freedom. And the more that I can help other people walk that path for me, I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to die a happy lady. So I, uh, I love what I do and, and yeah, I'm really passionate about it. So I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Well, I'm super aligned with you. I, the kind of the target audience we help, I call education entrepreneurs. They have something to teach, you know, so here I am an entrepreneur helping other entrepreneurs. How did you find uh, yourself in those same shoes, an entrepreneur who really wants to focus on entrepreneurs as well. Yeah, it's interesting. So like you said, I've been around the block a little bit. So my first eight years of business, I was a fashion designer. I had my own fashion label. I was showing on runways all around the country. I was dressing Tony Braxton. I was on The Bachelor. You could buy my stuff on zappos.com, like all this stuff and realized that the product-based business thing just wasn't my jam. Like, you know, you mentioned the, the education aspect. That was really more where I wanted to be. And I didn't really know it at the time, but I basically just kept following the breadcrumbs that were laid out in front of me and came to it. But when I started my coaching business, I wasn't just coaching entrepreneurs. But what happened was a lot of entrepreneurs came to, to work with me and learn under me because I'm so passionate about being an entrepreneur that other people would then be like, oh, well, I've thought about it, but like, I don't really know. And it sounds scary. And there's more security with having a job. And so little by little, I started this business in 2015. And I only niched down into helping entrepreneurs specifically in 2019. So I didn't start there. I think had I tried to start there, my imposter syndrome just would have been raging. And I would have had the like, who do you think you are? You just walked away from an eight-year business. You're a failure. Why do you think you can teach other people this, right? So like, I just had a little bit more of my journey. And then the more and more and more and more I did it, I realized I was really good at it. This is what people were coming to me for. I was helping people get really great results. I even started ranking on Google organically without doing any SEO on my website. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to take all these things as like signs that this is the direction I need to be moving in. What makes the entrepreneur special? And what I mean is sometimes when you have a certain disposition or personality or calling, you can't read the label from inside the bottle. And you mentioned like kind of, okay, now I'm focused in 2019 on entrepreneurs exclusively. 
what makes them special and, and unique that they may not be aware of that lights you up and makes you so passionate about helping them? The reason why I love entrepreneurship is because our job every single day is to wake up and create something from nothing. And because we have the ability to do that, that means we can create anything we want. We have absolutely no limitations. If you want to create a billion dollar business, you can do that. You might not be there yet, but our job as entrepreneurs is to wake up again tomorrow and build more and to create more. And we get to basically, like I said, take nothing and turn it into whatever we want. And not everyone has that ability. Not everyone has that vision. And to be quite frank, not everyone has that faith because when you're waking up every morning and you have nothing (laughs) and it's on your shoulders to be the one to create it into something, right? You don't have someone there just handing you a to-do list or handing you a paycheck. It's, it, it comes from you. Like there takes a certain amount of faith that has to go into that. You have to trust yourself. You have to be willing to do uncomfortable things. And I mean, there's just, there's so much that goes into it, but it really truly is that willingness to wake up to a blank slate every single day and continue taking steps forward because you know, that vision that you have is way too important and way bigger than any of your present day, like little bumps in the road you're facing. And you just keep, you just keep going. As a coach, how do you help people find or ignite the faith or make it stronger? Because I call it um, in the early days of an entrepreneurial venture, I actually call it the valley of despair. There's all this like stuff you're working for free. It's hard. Nobody believes in you. Negative self-talk, all that stuff. Don't know what you're doing. You're just kind of winging it. How do you help people as a coach believe in themselves? So when they have nothing of, outward to show for it yet. Yep. Two, two things that I, I really rely on to help people. So the first thing is just me right? Like sometimes when you don't have the faith in yourself, you just need someone else to have that faith in you. And so a lot of days, that's just my job is being that cheerleader or, and, or kicking people in the butt to remind them who they are and what they're here for and why they started in the first place. And so that's part of it is just strengthening them from the outside in. Another part of it is I help them start looking for the little things. So oftentimes when we're creating a big vision, we are looking for like the big overt, you know, like I went viral and got 1.4 million new subscribers, right? But we forget about the five new subscribers we got today, right? Well, that's not, five isn't enough to build a business on, right? But if you get five every day for a month, then you've gotten 150, right? So Like I really help them look at the little wins and we start compounding those little wins because if you can get at one little win a day for a year, you can look back in that year and you have 365 wins and very likely they're adding up to some sort of bigger win in general. So it's that combination of two things. I get to be their cheerleader. I get to kick them in the butt. I get to remind them who they are and why they started. And we get to start amassing proof that the steps they're taking are working so that they then refuel themselves to continue taking more steps every day. 
what would you advise? And you, I know you're into education too and helping people um, learn, particularly here in the entrepreneur niche. What would you advise a, a new entrepreneur course creator and as far as getting off the starting blocks, like where, where should they focus? You know, they have a dream. Maybe they bought some software. Um, you know, they, they've taken some courses themselves, but how do they get that momentum that's going to carry them through? So again, I'm going to give you two different answers here. So the first one is, no, and I will preface this by saying no one likes this answer, myself included. I got given this answer in 2015 and was like, absolutely not. Um, and it's what helped me create my first six figures in business. So uh, the first answer is your preliminary customers are going to be people that you already know. And everyone gets so uncomfortable by that because they're like, well, I don't want to sell to people I know. And I don't want to. The thing about selling to people you already know is that they already have an established no love trust factor with you. So if you're coming out the gate, and you have no social proof on your side, and you have no testimonials, and you have no sales, you've got to rely on something. And that something is that no love trust factor. So start with the people you know. And maybe it's that you offer it to a select group of those people for free to begin with in exchange for some social proof so that then you can build on top of that, right? So that's the first thing. The other thing I would say, and this is hands down the one thing I wish I would have done starting in 2015. My, I try not to have 20, like 2020 hindsight, but this is one of those things where I'm like, oh, if I'd been doing this for seven years, my whole life would look different. Establishing partnerships. So seeing how maybe some people that are one, two, or three steps ahead of you have built their audience already, and then providing your knowledge, wisdom, and expertise to their audience because what's going to happen is if you're waking up every day and you don't have an audience and you're talking and talking and talking and talking to no one all day, every day, it gets really hard to continue showing up. If you partner with someone that even has an audience of 500 people, that's 500 people you didn't have access to yesterday. So how can you provide value to them to want them to then share you with those 500 people, right? And then what, what value do you have that, that, that you could then offer that other person to come on? If, even if you don't have an audience, you still have some sort of value. So forming partnerships like that, win-win partnerships where you can get in front of other people's audiences, it's going to be the quickest and easiest way to grow your reach and your influence. Solid advice there. If we, if we have a course creator, aspiring course creator or coach, or uh, let's say a a talented web person who's trying to help because they, they know this market's hot. Uh, you you kind of have these phases of the entrepreneur, the solopreneur, the entrepreneur. How do how do these blocks of time and the journey work? Yeah, so the entrepreneur is really someone who either has an idea and hasn't gotten started yet, or maybe has started as a side hustle, but still like doesn't believe in their power to actually like create it into a full-time business. And so a lot of what I do with people in those areas, like, yes, there are some nuts and bolts around, you know, filing your paperwork, getting a business bank account, developing your website, right? Like there are some nuts and bolts, but honestly, a lot of the work I do with those people is mindset work. It's really like we talked about strengthening that resolve that like, can I even do this? Can I replace my salary with my business? Can I support myself? Can I become the foundation for wealth in my life? 
So that's that's a lot of that. And and that can take anywhere from you know, three months to three years, just depending on who the person is and how they show up and what they're willing to do and all of those things. You know, I've had clients go through an entire six month program and not launch anything and not make a dime. I've had clients, I had a, a woman who runs a dog treat company. She launched her, her stuff, I think within three months and within six weeks of launch, she'd done 13 grand in profits. Wow. So like up dog treats, right? So like there's, it's definitely how much you're willing to put into it, how much work you're willing to do. The solopreneur is someone who has started, probably has left their job, is working full-time in their business, but just doesn't have any help. Maybe they have a VA, but for the most part, if anything's getting done in their business, it's them. And a lot of those people, honestly, too, are trading time for money, which means if they want to make more money in their business, they have to somehow find a way to create more time, which either means you're sleeping less, you're not taking care of yourself, you're not showering, you're not getting your daily step counts in, you're not eating, whatever that looks like. And so a lot of the solopreneurs, their opportunity is to start looking at, okay, how can I start to leverage my service to be more of a one-to-many versus a one-to-one? Um, and then the entrepreneurs, honestly, are people who have grown their businesses, they have full teams, and they just might not know how to keep that going or how to keep their team satisfied or even how to grow to the next level. So I've had several people in that level go from like multiple six to seven figures, um, which is completely different conversations, <laughs> completely different structures, operations, systems, et cetera. So that's kind of how those three, that the progression of those three levels. If we're in the middle, like as a coach solopreneur, like we've got some clients, we, we have a niche, we help people but we're maxing out and we've, we've heard the idea of like kind of productizing your service, maybe making an online course. How could, for the coach, for a coach specifically, what can they do to get more of that one-to-many besides like uh, group coaching and stuff like that? What else can they leverage? Yeah. I mean, I will say I'm a huge fan of group coaching. It's, it's honestly what I've built my business on. I do almost very little, almost no private coaching. Everything I do is group-based. Um, and, and it's a few different things. One, I'm able to then like my, my entrepreneur course is all modules. And so that's been built. So I could have a hundred people enroll in that program tomorrow and only put in one extra hour of work each month. Right? What are you doing so, in that one hour? Coaching, live okay. coaching. I do live okay. group coaching still for people like so for me, my, my three pillars of business are education, which is that module part coaching, because no matter how much education you get, if you don't know how to apply it in your business, like knowledge, knowledge isn't capital. It's just not. So you get the knowledge you get on a coaching call. We figure out how to apply it to your business. And then there's a community element as well. So like I said, I'm big into group coaching. Some of the other things I'm looking at, honestly, I'm starting a women's conference. Um, again, that one to many. And then also using some of the speakers to help come on as partners to then bring in their audiences for the conference as well, which alludes back to one of my other answers, right? Um, I think if you're going to be doing uh, online uh, courses and things like that, looking into, is there a way that you could partner with some other online course creators and create maybe a bundle and get all of the online course creators to then market it to their people. So that again, you're expanding the reach 
past just trying to build it on your own, right? So there's there are some really creative ways that you can begin to pull in some different things. You could host just a single weekend mastermind retreat, get 20 people in the same spot, you know, blow through all sorts of content, get them to a place where they're ready to take that next step. Um, yeah. That's awesome. What a, a tactical question for you. If we've got a course creator who's, you know, kind of done the course and they're realizing that, you know, people are hard, people are different and they want to add that one hour you mentioned of group coaching to the offer, maybe raise the price since they're adding that and try to get their, their customers better results. What's that hour look like? If you were to advise a new expert who's doing group coaching on top of their kind of course office hours or how do that, how should they run it? What happens on the call? Yep. So the way I do it is I let everyone know upfront, like I am preparing nothing for that call. If I show up to that call and no one has questions, we don't have a call. So I put the onus on the attendees and say, my job on this call, sorry, we're in a thunderstorm. It's okay. <laughs> um, my job on this call is simply to serve you. So you need to come with questions. The way I do it is I just do popcorn style and let everyone have, you know, a time with the mic. Um, you could do it where I've seen it where people have to submit questions to you beforehand and then you answer them in the order that they came in. Um, you could have people drop them in the chat box when you first get in uh, to the coaching call and then just, you know, one after the other. Uh, you could hot seat people. You could like there's just a few different options. I am a little more casual. And so everyone just knows we all show up to the call. Um, you know, I open it up and say, all right, who wants to start? And we just go around and everyone has an opportunity to ask a question or comment about a challenge they're facing, talk through it with them. And then at the end of the call, this is really important. And I, this is like my favorite part of the call. I make everyone go back around and say what their biggest takeaway was from the call and what their next action step is as a result of that hour. Because, and I say this on my podcast all the time, sitting around and listening to me talk for an hour isn't going to do anything for your business, right? It's all about what are you doing on the other side of that? So I always cap it with a takeaway and an action step from everyone. That's awesome. Any other advice around getting people not just learning, but acting? I also have an online community portal. So my entire all my clients, but I also have a free version. I got rid of my Facebook group a while back because I just like saw the writing on the wall for that one. Um, but I, so I keep everyone in a platform called Circle and it's branded with my branding, my name, my business, my everything. And so then what I do is I go into each, it's like a bunch of different groups, right? So I have a group mm -hmm. that's free. I have a group that's my entrepreneurs. I have a group that's my solopreneurs. And I, I you know, I keep everything separate. So I can go in and say, all right, so uh, entrepreneurs, we had a call last week. Here were your takeaway action items. How are they coming? What do you need help with? Um, So-and-so, you said you were going to do the hypnosis. Did you do it? What was, your, what was your outcome? How can I help you, right? And so there is a level of accountability still there. I say I work an hour a month in that part. I work more than an hour a month. I do an hour of coaching. <laughs> but there's yeah. still like online support too, because for me, it's really important. A lot of the reasons that people don't take action is because they don't have that accountability. But when they have someone checking in on them and saying, hey, you were going to do this big, scary thing. Did you do it? 
And if not, how can I support you in taking that step? I love that. For your segments, the entrepreneur, the solopreneur, the entrepreneur, um, you know, there's some people say like, you should pick one. I personally like the way you're doing it, where you have like same person, full journey, right? But any advice that you have around like these segments, like you mentioned, for example, that they have separate groups. And I think you have separate, separate offerings on your website based on that. Like, how do you do this kind of segmentation well? So I will say it's been a learning process. Okay. <laughs> I don't do everything perfect from the get-go. I try, I try really hard, but it doesn't always happen. I am actually in the process right now. So I've had two different opt-ins. One has been for the entrepreneur. One has been for like the solopreneur, the entrepreneur. Um, the first one's about getting started. The second one's about growing. I got on a call with one of my coaches the other day and she was like, absolutely not. One opt-in. And I was yeah. like, oh, ugh, ah, what am I going to do? So I had to really sit down and do the work, which is the exact same work I teach around, you know, honing in on, even though those people are at different stages in their journey, they all still have a common issue or a common problem. What is that common problem? Right? So it was honing in on that, identifying that now I'm creating an opt-in one singular opt-in that can be marketed to every stage. And then from there takes them into an application. And from the application, I ask a question, what level in your journey are you at? And then from there, we can tell, okay, this person needs to go in this program. This person needs to go in this program. Um, and the cool part, um, I'll announce this, we're a few days early, but I'll, uh, I'll ask for or beg for forgiveness later. Um, the cool part about all this too, is that I have some big things coming up in my business. I am giving a Ted talk in November. And as it turns out, the main problem that my clients have is what my Ted talk is about. Right. So I've kind of distilled down all of the fluff around what people come to me for and honed in on, okay, but this is the crux of like the problem that people are facing, like the biggest problem that stops them from moving forward. And so now I'm going to have an opt-in about it. I'm going to have a TED talk about it. I'm going to have a conference about it. I'm going to have, I'm pursuing a book deal about like, so all of these things are kind of distilling down and then just depending on where people are on their path or their journey is then kind of where they'll drop in. When's your TED talk coming out? So it's going to, it's happening on November 12th. Yeah. Um, but I don't know when they get real. I don't know how soon after you give it, do they go on YouTube? I'm just curious because when um, when this episode comes out, it's going to be a little bit. So it, it might be getting close to that or or whatever. So go check it out. Are you able to tease with us what the topic is? Or are you keeping it under wraps for now on this? What this primary problem is? I'll tell you a little bit. I, I, the yeah. biggest thing I see with entrepreneurs is that and and it's similar. We I touched on it a little bit in the beginning is this idea that. I need a paycheck in order to have stability in my life. So a lot of, especially new entrepreneurs, but I'll say even solopreneurs that I work with have this like, well, how am I going to, how am I going to pay my, pay myself? Or how am I going to pay a team? Or how could I possibly bring in enough money in my business to create profits or, you know, grow my business or whatever, whatever. And so really, and, and a lot, I will say a lot of the audiences I talk to are women and one of the biggest things is we look for security outside of us. 
we look for an employer to give us a paycheck rather than becoming that security for ourselves and building ourselves as that foundation for wealth. And so really that's the biggest thing is like, how do you, for me, it's, it's a combination of mindset, habits, and actions. And how do you build yourself as that solid foundation so that you can create consistent income in your business? That's awesome. Well, everybody go check out the TED Talk. And if it's not up yet, go find it. Um, we have a comment under the live stream. Uh, somebody's saying that they love how your site opens up with entrepreneurship isn't supposed to be so damn difficult. How do you help with that? Or how do you like break that, that myth or that idea, which probably ties into what we were just discussing, but it's, it's hard out there, but how do you help remove some friction for these people? Yeah, I think some of it is that um, we make it harder than it needs to be. And a lot of it is honestly, a lot of entrepreneurs focus on the wrong actions. I had a call with a woman who had had her business, I think for three years, and she'd never made a single penny in her business. And I was like, that's not how it's supposed to work. I was like, so what are you doing every day? And she told me what her actions were. And I was like, well, obviously you're not making any money in your business. You're focused on all of the wrong actions, not a single action you're taking is a revenue generating action. You want to make money in your business. One, you got to change yourself, <laughs> especially women. But I know men that do that tell the same story. I'm bad at sales. You keep telling that story. You're going to continue to be bad at sales. You're not going to make any money in your business. And you're going to be real fed up after three years when you haven't made a single penny. So mindset wise, you got to change your mindset. Habits-wise, you need to put really good habits into your business. I have a whole system and structure that I use in my business every Monday, every Friday, every end of the month, every beginning of the month, every end of the corner, every beginning of the quarter, every end of the year, every beginning of the year. Like I have habits built into my business that support me in showing up in a way that's successful. And then also the actions that you take. Are you taking revenue generating actions in your business every day? Or are you just posting on Instagram, hoping that someone sees it and, and reaches out to you, right? So, um, so yeah, I, that's, that's kind of my whole thing is like those, those three levels what are have some, to be accounted for. What are some uh, examples of, for like a course creator, or a coach of revenue generating actions? So I'm uh, harping on it again, the partnership thing, like yeah. you need to be Don't reaching do it out alone. to- five new partners a week. Um, who, who are you reaching out to, to become affiliates for you, to be promoting your stuff? Um, who, how are you pitching yourself to be on podcasts or to share your knowledge and expertise outside of the audiences that you currently have? Um, are you offering webinars? Are you making offers to your list, to your people, to, I mean, there's so many ways that you can get in front of people and say, Hey, listen, this is how you hire me. And if you're not doing at least one of those a day, you have to change the entire foundation for what you're doing in your business on a daily basis. You mentioned uh, Instagram or some social media content can sometimes be a distraction. I mean, it's important to do social media marketing, but where else do people kind of focus too much sometimes and not doing revenue generating activities? I see a lot of people who get really stuck in like the building phases of things. 
and forget that like, yes, even though I'm developing a new opt-in right now and I'm taking, you know, an hour a day or whatever to work with my copywriter on like getting this opt-in ready and the sales pages ready and the funnels ready and all these things, still taking revenue generating actions on, on the other side of that, right? So I always recommend to people, you front load your day. Your day doesn't start with those maintenance actions. It doesn't start posting on Instagram. It doesn't start with, you know, the backend stuff. It starts with a revenue gener generating action first thing every day. And you, you know, I get mine for meditation. So I drop into meditation and I expand and I like connect in like kind of like your background with the universe, with all that is with the quantum field, get myself into that state where I'm resonating with my bigger vision. This is how I manifested a TED talk for anyone that's wondering, did this for two and a half years. Uh, and then I start asking, okay, knowing that this is my vision, what is one action I could take today to help me, help me take another step towards that? And so it's it's just getting in the habit, getting in the practice of prioritizing those revenue generating actions every day. And then you can do the passive maintenance actions. Then you can post on Instagram. Then you can get on Facebook. The hard thing about those platforms is like, it's like in the olden days when you would hang a sign outside your store window and just hope and pray that the right person walked by at the right time with the right amount of money in their pocket and felt compelled to walk through that front door right? It's like, I, I always say there is no hope in business strategy. There's just not. That's awesome. Any other tips you, you talk about really getting strong in your, your vision and, and, um, spending some time there, not being busy, but like really crystallizing your vision and focusing on it. You mentioned meditation. Is there anything else you recommend to help entrepreneurs develop a strong vision and stay in alignment with it? Yeah, I think so. The biggest thing for me with like meditating and visualization is that it's not even seeing it, but it's feeling it. And so I take my meditations past my mind and I drop them down into my body and I let myself feel the way that, you know, a seven figure book deal, TED talk, da 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 da, successful female entrepreneur feels, right? So I start my day with that stuff almost every day. Today was an anomaly. I'm having an off day, but whatever, it's fine. I will get up tomorrow morning and do it all over again. Um, but the thing is, so you start your day that way. You have to do something to maintain it throughout the day as well. So I do, I mean, I even do silly little things. I have, I actually had a candle line. Um, this one says I was effing born for this. Um, <laughs> awesome. And so this sits on my desk next to me. I have a little note here that says, what is the best that could happen? Um, I actually have a bobblehead that uh, I got from speaking at a conference and I want speaking to be more and more of my like business vision. So I have my bobblehead sitting here to remind me that like, I am a highly sought after and paid public speaker. I surround myself with things that remind me of the vision I'm building rather than the reality I'm living in. Um, and then I find ways throughout the day too, like even if it's a five minute walk around the block, just to like get myself back into that feeling state of feeling like I felt in that vision as well, because you don't want to like peak in the morning and then just like feel like shit for the rest of the day, right? You want to make sure that you're getting yourself into that energetic vibration and then finding ways, even if you slip a little bit to pick yourself back up through the day over and over again. So whether it's setting an alarm 
and giving yourself two minutes to simply breathe and feel into your vision every hour, every two hours, whether it's, you know, scheduling in little breaks or doing whatever you need to do to remind yourself and just tap back into that vision. Um, and remember that it, it does, it's not overnight. I, the Ted talk thing, I literally had the vision of giving the Ted talk in January, 2020. I found out in June of 2022 that I had been accepted to one. And like I said, I'll give it in November of 2022. So almost three years from the vision coming to me in meditation, did it materialize? I love that. And the feeling is it's contagious too. I mean, I can even feel it through the zoom call, like your passion, your energy, like when you, when you get in that energetic state, it's other people feel it too, which is part of the entrepreneur momentum. Yeah. Another, another thing that a lot of experts want to do to help with their business is write a book. You've done that permission to leap is the title. Uh, what's it about and how did you get the book done? That's, that's, I, that's a, a thing a lot of people want to do that's on the dream bucket list, especially as an entrepreneur, but it's one I see a lot of friction with. So tell us about that. Yep. So this was another thing, January <laughs> of 2017, I was in meditation and I heard a very clear, you're writing a book this year. And I was like, really? Like, <laughs> okay. And then it was like, and you're, you're leaving LA for three weeks to write it. At like so you did and in it, three it, weeks. It came with like very specific things, but also I was like, what am I writing about? Like, I don't, <laughs> and where am I going? I'm leaving LA. I was living in LA at the time. Where am I going? I'm living in LA. Where am I going? So, um, as the universe mysteriously works this way, got a text from some friends saying, Hey, we're going out of town. Do you want to cat sit for us in Seattle for three weeks in June? And I was like, Oh, do I? Why? Well, yes, I do. And so I went to Seattle for three weeks and I will say the reason the thing that got me through writing the book was that I never wanted to write the book. I knew from the get-go that I was writing the book. So there's a difference between wanting to do something and doing something. So if you're someone that's wanted to write a book for a while, my invitation for you would be stop wanting and start doing, right? Like schedule it into your calendar. Start taking Friday mornings as a creative block. Set aside four hours, leave the house, go to a cafe, bring a notebook, start jotting down your ideas, make an outline. From the outline, start writing chapters. Don't write them in order. Write them in order of excitement that day. If something's really on your mind, write that chapter. Maybe it's chapter 10. You write it first. But like go into it knowing that you are a published author, not that you're wanting to write a book because there's a very big difference between those two things and then schedule it in, make time for it. If you do not make time for it, you will not do it. So did you write it in three weeks? This is a 308 page book, which is awesome. Uh, and it looks, yeah. I'm just, I haven't read it yet, but I'm scanning the outline. It's, this is like solid work here. This is awesome. Yeah, I, so to be fair, I, I had the outline done before I left. Yeah. I kind of knew like an idea, of like some of the, the stories yeah. I was yeah. going to tell within it. Um, and then I had that three weeks just blocked off. I had no other commitments. I was in someone else's home. I was taking care of their three cats. So I had to get up at a certain time every single day, <laughs> make my tea, do my thing. Um, and then I just, I had an empty house and I used to live in Seattle. So like I knew people, but I had very strict parameters around like, I'm not planning anything or scheduling anything until after a certain hour each day. And this block of time 
every day for three weeks is me writing my book. And then at the same time, I was working with editors who were then giving me feedback and I would do rewrites and edits. And then there was more editing and rewriting that like happened after the three weeks, but the three weeks was the bulk of like getting it out. That's amazing. When course creators do that, I call it the course creator cave. Sometimes you, you have to kind yes. of sign out from the world and do your thing. Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty amazing. And I'm if you impressed. can't sign out from the world, just yeah. setting aside chunks, like blocks, like undisturbed, you do not take any calls. You do not set any meetings. Your phone goes on. Do not disturb. The door gets locked. Your significant other, your kids, your cats, your dogs don't come in the room or you leave it, you leave the room, go get a co-working pass for a day every Friday. I don't care, but like you have to protect that time. Otherwise it's amazing how many things like sneak in. I looked at my calendar this week. I was like, I was, I have how many coffees this week with people? How does that happen? <laughs> right? So just make sure that you're protecting that time. If you're really, truly serious about not wanting to do something and actually doing it. Any uh, just quick tips tactically on the publishing? Did you self-publish it? Did you use some service or whatever? What That one I self-published. I did hire uh, these two guys to help me launch it. So they had a whole thing around, you know, having, I had a launch team. So I had people that were pre-reading it to give reviews prior to, or like the day it launched. And then I think I did a 99 cent deal for like two days and then went up to full price. And so did kind of that whole launch plan. The one thing I will say is that my end goal in my mind was book launch day. And by the time book launch day came, I was done. Like I basically, speaking of holes, yeah. <laughs> like I basically went into a hole for at least six weeks after that and like couldn't function. I wish that I would have set my well, either not set a marker or like set another marker further out or something, because what happens is the launch of your book, unfortunately, might be the closing of the production, but it's the opening of the kind of promotion. Book and so, yeah. yeah, I, that is the one mistake I made with that was that I didn't plan for the time after the launch. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. What, Tell us about, I, I kind of have a two-part question for you. It's about like who the perfect client is for you, but also, you know, in this industry, you, uh, working with entrepreneurs, we see a lot of success, failure, middle of the road kind of stuff. Uh, what makes a perfect client for you that's going to embody those traits, whether they're at the entrepreneur stage or they're already established and trying to scale? Uh, what are the qualities of the ones that are do really well with you and just in their own business? Yeah, I, the women, well, I, I do work with men as well. Um, but the, the humans, I guess <laughs> I work with, I'm so used to saying women, um, the humans that I work with for the most part are really determined and really tenacious and really ambitious. Like they know that entrepreneurship is the thing and they may not know how, but that's okay. Cause that's what I'm here for. I love putting a good puzzle together. And so for me, figuring out the how is like sitting down with a puzzle and a cup of tea. It's my happy place. So they know what they want or at least, and have a general idea, right? They may not know the exact vision, but they know that there's something that they're aiming towards that's big and they're open to finding out what it is. 
and they just need some help getting there. So they're ambitious, they're hungry, their vision, you know, they have some sort of vision or know that there's a vision out there for them. Um, and they're willing to, to hire someone to help them bring that to life so that they can stop again, wanting to, or thinking about it and actually build it so that they can start living it every day. That's awesome. If somebody's earlier on the journey at the entrepreneur stage, what, what do you have to offer them? Yeah. So my entrepreneur course is whether you have an idea or you just know you want to become an entrepreneur that I have a six month program that takes them from that ideation all the way through revenue generation. So we go through your avatar. We go through like literally every single building block you need in month four, you launch your business. And then in months five and six, we help you with that kind of consistent habits and actions. Like I talked about earlier, so that you can keep going after that six months is over. Um, that's one where I said that woman who owned the dog treat company launched and did like 13 grand in profits in a few weeks. And, um, so that one really takes you from that, that seed all the way through starting to make your money in your business. And what do you have for the solopreneurs? The solopreneurs is a 90 day experience. We start with that custom strategy. So like, we're going to sit down, we're going to go through everything in your business, what's working, what's not working and figure out what that next step is so that you can double and triple your operations in your business. And then the 90 days is there. You have me, uh, alternating weeks of coaching and alternating weeks of action blocks. So the idea is we figure out what that next step is for you. What's that strategy that's going to work for you? I don't believe in templated, generic, five-step anything. <laughs> it's custom to you. What's going to work for you? And then you get 90 days of building it with me on your side to help you every step of the way so that you can get that course, that book, that podcast, that speaking career, that whatever that next step is for you out so that you can then grow that revenue. And finally, for the entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs is, scale. is all private. That's, okay. that's like the, the bigger, um, that's the bigger commitment. Um, and so that one for me, it just depends on what they're aiming towards where they're at. It could be everywhere from six months to 12 months. Um, and it's all completely custom. So it still includes the education, the coaching, the community, it still includes the mindset, the habits, the actions, but it's completely custom based on where they're at and what they're aiming towards. That's awesome. That's at breeseely.com, B-R-I-S-E-E-L-E-Y.com. Uh, one funny question or just side question before we, we uh, sign off here today, what is something that entrepreneurs could learn from a fashion designer that uh, is kind of counterintuitive? What's a, what's a neat thing you brought from your former life? Ooh, that is a good question. I think you know, one of the things that I really learned was that as much as, so when you're making a garment, you have what's called a pattern. I realize that not everyone speaks fashion, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to the basics. <laughs> yeah. You have a pattern. And what the pattern is, is that every single, if you look at what you're wearing right now, Wherever the seam is, so wherever there's a line of stitching, that means two different pieces of fabric were brought together and sewn together, right? So you have all these different pieces. And so as a designer, what you do is you sit down and yes, you sketch out the finished product, but then you also have to sketch out, okay, what is each piece going to 
look like so that each of those pieces fits together to then create that final vision, right? So one of the things I learned, well, that in and of itself is one thing I learned, right? Like what are all the ingredients that go together to create that final vision? And then no matter how much I tried to perfectly pattern the dress from that first try, right? You cut the fabric, you sew it together, inevitably you put it on a model or a mannequin and there are always tweaks that have to be made. You never get it perfect the, the first time or maybe the model's measurements are a little different than you were expecting or her proportions are a little different than you were expecting and you just have to make tweaks and alterations. And I feel like that's so appropriate for entrepreneurship because we may think that we have the perfect pattern and we try to execute that pattern and then we get in and we're like, oh, but like this thing didn't work the way I wanted it to, or like this needs to be changed a little bit here, or, you know, I need to try this thing over there. And it's not that you get it on the model and it's like shit and you have to throw it away, right? It's that it just is going to take a few more tweaks and a little more adjustment to get it to work the way that you initially saw it in your head. So it, it is amazing. One of, at some point, someone was like, you need to go with the tagline, like, from fashion designer to business designer. And I'm like, it's true. But also I was like, I don't think people, I don't think that's a thing people are really going to like resonate with or like, you know, the audience is just not really gonna, but a lot of the the things within fashion were very similar to, it's the act of creation, right? Entrepreneurship, we started at the beginning, me talking about you take nothing and you turn it into something. I took nothing but an idea in my head, sketched it on a piece of paper, made the pattern, cut it into the fabric, constructed it, and then put it on the body and had to make all of the tweaks and things. I mean, that's just in general, the act of creation. Entrepreneurs go through the same process. I love that. I love that uh, you mentioned the, you know, the visionary entrepreneur who's ambitious and tenacious. And that's something I've noticed as well is that tweak, that ability to tweak on the fly, that like fix the pattern on the vision as you go. Like there's a lot of tweaks that happen before the runway of, for the fashion model or whatever. And sometimes all we see is the runway, but there's all that work in the back, right? Well, and sometimes you don't even know the model is pinned together on the runway because the zipper broke backstage yeah. or like it might look great on the runway, but you don't know what's holding it, holding it together on the back end. I had that happen. My mom used to help me out at some of my fashion shows and she zipped a girl into a, into a skirt and the zipper just went. <laughs> And so we just had to pin her in because that's just the, what you do. And you got to try and hide the pins as much as you can so that people don't see them. But, you know, you, you make it look good and people see the finished product and it's great and they love it and they have no idea what's going on behind the stage. Fashion designer to business designer. It does happen where, you know, the webinar system breaks or somebody doesn't show up to the conference you're organizing or whatever happens on your website. There's a lot of pinning and tucking and just making it work. I mean, it's, you have to be a problem solver as an yeah. entrepreneur because it's never going to go the way that you think it's going to go. So you have to be quick on your feet to say like, okay, well, this didn't work. Well, let's try that. Or, you know, like you just, you have to, if you're stuck in, like, if you get paralyzed by things not going right, it's going to be really hard because then you can't move and you can't make any, you can't find a better solution. You can't make a change. You can't tweak it. Like, yeah, definitely. Um, being malleable is also a great trait. Well, tell the good people of the internet how they can find you. We've got Bree I know you're big on Instagram. Where else can people find you and connect? 
Yep. I'm on Instagram at Bree Seeley. I just started the TikTok trend a few months ago. <laughs> All right. Not really sold on it yet, but you can come hang out with me if that's your place at Bree Seeley as well. I'm pretty much like on every platform, LinkedIn, Facebook, at Bree Seeley across the board. Awesome. Well, Bree, thank you for coming on the show, sharing all your insights with us. It's been amazing. We'll have to catch up down the road sometime. Yeah, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. And that's a wrap for this episode of LMS Cast. Did you enjoy that episode? Tell your friends and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And I've got a gift for you over at lifterlms.com forward slash gift. Go to lifterlms.com forward slash gift. Keep learning, keep taking action, and I'll see you in the next episode.